from Drop Biscuit Studios and AJ Benzie. Fame is a bitch. Hey everybody, AJ Benzie here with Fame is a Bitch. This is your podcast for Friday. You know what today's date is, right? Oh boy, it is a great one. 11-11-2022. Guys, boys and girls. I've been waiting for this date for a while. I love 11-11. You know, everybody knows 11-11, kiss the clock, make a wish. I still do it. I'm such an idiot. I've been down, if I'm in a store and like an oven that they're selling or at Best Buy or a refrigerator says 11-11, I kiss it. Maybe that's why I get sick so much. But I do. I just feel like it's a sign from above. You got to kiss the 11-11s. And um, I don't know if it's worked out for me, but... I can't stop doing it now. I've been doing it forever. You know, I'm looking at these stories today. My Patreon today was me kind of ragging about, oh, by the way, today we're going to call Freaky Friday. You know, it's freaky. And I'll tell you why. I'm doing a nice little piece on uh, a wonderful actress from Hollywood's golden era. She was a beauty. But we'll stick with Freaky Friday. Um, So on today's Patreon, I'm, you know, just letting my anger out by all these stories I see printed, all these silly things that people think are important. You know, Lala Kent has to take the baby to the ER because it's coughing. If I was with her, I'd say, honey, it's the croup. Come here, calm down. You don't have to go to the ER. She didn't know that. It was the croup. So many things, you know, Kim Kardashian was so, she had to tell us that she was so stressed out because at the Met Gala, when she slipped into Marilyn Monroe's old dress, she was supposed to weigh 118, but she ballooned to 120, and she was freaking out, guys. And then the newspapers make a big deal about Sylvester Stallone's going to talk about Bruce Willis's illness, and all he said was, Bruce has been incommunicado, I wish him well, but no one's talking. They made a whole story about that. I can't stand that kind of journalism. It's, it's, it's building blocks, Lego journalism. We have one quote. So let's talk about a lot of the shit above the quote, then run the quote, and then we'll talk about, well, Bruce came down with this illness and him and Sly have worked on X amount of movie. I can't stand that kind of journalism. There's no story there. Sylvester Stallone talked to an old buddy and he told you there's just not a lot of communication. Well, that means there's not a story. This happens all the time, and I'm, I'm just getting so tired of it. Millie Bobby Brown, another one. She's 18 years old, this kid. We've been seeing her since she's a kid on Stranger Things. She's, she's developed into a very pretty young woman. 18. My daughter's 18. I can't talk this way about young girls. I can't say women. She's a young girl. She's dating Henry Cavill. And this is why it's weird, because for many years, Henry Cavill, you know, there was always a story about him liking very underage girls. That followed him everywhere for years, especially on the crazy days and nights um, boards, that Henry Cavill has got a hankering for underage girls. Nobody wanted to believe it. I used to wonder, he was dating... My former friend, who uh, I used to call female MMA fights with, Gina Carano, who became an actress and is 
now in all sorts of movies. Then she got in trouble, so now she makes movies for Ben Shapiro's company. But for a while, he was dating her. And Gina's a beauty. Gina's fun. She's beautiful. She can kick your ass. She can take care of herself. Smart. And that didn't last. And then he's back out there looking for young'uns. I don't know. So now he's with Millie Bobby Brown. He's 39. She's 18. It's a big difference, bro. Big difference. And she says, you know, our relationship is very adult. It's a healthy one. He puts me in my place when I need to be put in my place. The thing she says about this relationship, it's kind of weird. It's different because I grew up with Noah and Charlie. I met them when I was 10. So for me, it does feel like your schoolmates. And with Henry, it feels like a real adult relationship, like a really good friendship, a really healthy one. One that we have terms and conditions. Okay, can you elaborate on that shit? I know Henry. He has terms and conditions with me. I'm not allowed to ask about his personal life. Excuse me? It's like, Millie, shut up. And I'm like, no, I understand completely. What kind of relationship is this? He's very strict with me, which I appreciate. Okay, can we start playing the Twilight Zone music? This is weird. This is really weird. Um, we got to keep our eye on this. I would tell you, like, her parents need to keep an eye on this. But if you followed her story when she was coming up the ranks on Stranger Things, when she was an unknown commodity, the, the blinds on Crazy Days and Nights and some other websites had a story that her parents were, like, really free and easy, like, hippie-type people. And the, the story was... They were going to auction off her virginity. Now, I don't know if the virginity's gone yet. I would imagine if she's with Henry Cavill, you know, the cherry's busted, I think. But yeah, that was the thing for a while. And people thought, oh, that's crazy. There's no way that's true. You know, guys, who the hell knows? We've heard so many crazy stories about celebrities, especially actresses and what their parents are like. You know, a lot of parents are not only dumb and ill-equipped for the stardom that that um, that just appears around their children who are talented and do all the work, whether you're Brittany or Aaron Carter or Lindsay Lohan, you take your pick. But a lot of parents tend to get jealous. I don't see it too much in the dads, but I see it a lot in the moms. And that creates a really shitty home life, and it makes the kid not want to go back home, not want to open up to the mom. It's a bad way to be. When I used to, I'm not used to, but I hung around with Michael Lohan a few times. And, you know, all he would sometimes talk about was how Lindsay and the mom just had, they would just knock heads on things. And then I would know, you know, guys in journalism and stuff who were chasing Lindsay for stories who ended up sleeping with Lindsay's mom. I'm not going to give you names, but I know at least three of them who slept with Lindsay's mom. She got all wrapped up in her daughter's fame. It's kind of gross. But this is definitely what happens when you have a child that enters the fray at a certain age and uh, everybody's picking and poking at her and trying to make her out to be some sort of person. I can say this to a little bit of a degree. When my niece was chosen uh, to star in her own Disney TV show. Um, and it was crazy. Like, in the beginning, it was a wonderful announcement. Wow, she got the show. 
And all of a sudden, all these things came with it. You've got to move. You've got to live in a gated community. You, we have to check her, uh, her social media. She can't speak to these people. You've got to lock down this. Like all these things were thrown on this young girl before she got the show Girl Meets World. And it was like scary. And I haven't talked to them in a long time, but um, she's a very talented young little actress, Rowan Blanchard, my niece. And uh, she's gone on to do a number of things since then. It's weird seeing her on Instagram. I look at her pictures. She's modeled. She's been around the world. It's just so strange. She was <laughs> she was my flower girl at two years old when I married her aunt, my second wife. And um, I've told this story before, but we got married in Palm Springs, and we had this a little dinner party for about 25 people at some restaurant in Palm Springs or um, Cathedral City, I think it was. And we're all sitting in this nice restaurant. It was our restaurant for the night. No one else was there. And at one point, um, Rowan got a little crazy, as two-year-olds do at a certain hour. And she took all her clothes off, down to her panties. And she began to run around the restaurant. And everybody was laughing. And I said to my wife at that point, I said, she's either going to be a stripper or an actress. And... Thankfully, she avoided the pole and became a, a very good actress. That's where we're at now. Having said that, I wanted to talk about another actress in this, uh, in this world that we don't talk about enough. And I think she needs to be um, somebody that's front and center with the conversation is probably maybe the brightest woman to ever act in Hollywood and yet do other things beside that that helped this country for many decades to come. Back that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So let's not <clears throat> let another day go by without saying happy birthday to the beautiful and smart Hetty Lamar. The hot Hollywood siren died back in 2086 years old. I don't know if you're a fan of her movies, but if you ever see her starring in something on Turner Classic Movies, drop everything and watch her. Man, is she beautiful. And she did the eye roll before any actress was doing the eye roll. Oh, her eye roll is so sexy. Those of you who don't know Hetty Lamar, well, let me remind you what a mark she left on not only Hollywood, but, like I said, the world as we know it. Hetty was an actress. 
During MGM's golden age, he was in films like Tortilla Flat, which amazingly became a restaurant down the street from my apartment in the West Village of New York. Tortilla Flats was a place that everybody went to. I never realized it was a movie first. She was in Lady of the Tropics, Boomtown, and Samson and Delia. Delilah. She starred with Clark Gable, Spencer Tracy. But Henny Lamar was not just eye candy. She was also a scientist co-inventing an early technique for something called spread spectrum communications. That is the key to many wireless communications in our present day. Just what is spectrum communications? Well, I'll get to that. You know how tech savvy I am, so I can explain that very simply. But trust me when I say Hedy Lamar was one smart cookie. And I get a kick out of trying to figure out what actress nowadays could ever have the balls to do the things she did. I haven't found one yet. I know there are actresses who are sexy that, you know, want things on their own terms. And whether it's a J-Lo or there's plenty of actresses, you know, Salma Hayek. There's plenty of actresses who want things done on their time. But I'm not sure how smart they are, how book smart they are beyond that. It's okay. You can just be an actress who knows what you need for your career. That's fine. But beyond acting, beyond Hollywood, beyond dancing and singing and acting, nobody beats Hedy Lamar. So let's talk about her. But before that, before we get to the amazing stuff, let's go here. She was born in Vienna, Austria. Eva Maria Keisler. She was discovered by an Austrian film director while she was a teenager. And she gained international notice back in the 30s. She had a role in a very sexually charged Czechoslovakian film called Ecstasy. There's some clips on YouTube. You need to watch it. And after her unhappy marriage ended with a man named Fritz Mandel, he was a very wealthy Austrian munitions manufacturer who sold arms to the Nazis. Hedy Lamar fled to the United States and signed a contract with Metro Goldwyn Mayer Studio in Hollywood under the name Hedy Lamar. She got rid of her old Austrian name. She's now Hedy Lamar. And after the release of her first <clears throat> American film, Algiers, which is another one you got to watch, that's where she does the famous eye roll opposite Charles Boyer. Man, she became an immediate box office sensation overnight. You know, it happens like that for some people. But it's what you do with it, right? There is something about those old black and white films where the men had sleepy eyelids and the women looked just so crisp and beautiful. And sometimes they have that, I don't, know, I don't know what to say, some kind of camera effect that made them look softer and more supple. And the men just looked like man-eaters. But the, 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 the scenes between Charles Boyer and her, him telling her how beautiful she is and her rolling her eyes. I'm telling you, it wasn't done yet. It's like you go, well, how, how is Marlon Brando such a great actor? Why? Because he picked lint off someone's shirt? Because he mumbled and groaned like James Dean? Yes, it's as simple as that. Nobody did it. Nobody just screamed at their father, Dad, you're driving me crazy. Like, no one did it. 
So when someone does it the first time, like an eye roll, it becomes iconic. Like, holy shit, you can do that on screen? I know. It seems like nothing, but it goes a long, long way. Hetty was often referred to as one of the most gorgeous and exotic of Hollywood's leading ladies. She did some good films, well-received films in the 30s and 40s. Lady of the Tropics, co-starring Robert Taylor. That was his heyday. Boomtown with Clark Gable. Spencer Tracy, I told you, Tortilla Flat. Victor Mature and Samson and Delia. Talk about two beautiful people with lazy eyelids. Look at them, my God. And apparently she was the director of Casablanca's first choice, but it went to Ingrid Bergman instead. I can't argue with that choice. Ingrid Bergman is perfect in Casablanca. So in 1942, this is the heyday of her career. Try to understand that. Hedy Lamar earns recognition in a field very different from entertainment. So she and a friend of hers, this composer named George Ann Field, they received a patent for an idea of, of a radio signaling device or a secret communications system, which back then was a means of changing audio frequencies to keep enemies from decoding your messages. And it was originally designed to defeat the Nazis. And that system became an important step in the development of technology to maintain the security of both military communications and cell phones. Like right now, you owe it to Hedy Lamar. So she wasn't instantly recognized for her communications invention since its impact wasn't understood until many, many years later. But then again, in 1997, her and Anne Thiel were honored with the Electronic Frontier Foundation Pioneer Award. That's the very famous EFF Award. I'm kidding. It's, it's like the Oscars for people who invent shit. But come on. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So let's take a look at what happened toward the end, okay? Like most people, well, yeah, most people in Hollywood, I hate to say it, at some point your phone stops ringing. I remember when mine stopped ringing, I used to actually pick it up to check if it was still working. Oh, yeah, it's a very sad time. You're sitting home, you're writing, you go out for a while, there's no messages, you watch a movie. It's only 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You actually pick your phone up and go, is, this, is it working? And you hit a dial tone. Yeah, it's working. Nobody wants me. That happened to the beautiful Hedy Lamarr in the 50s. And her last film was 1958's The Female Animal with Jane Powell. Nothing's happening. So in 1966, she publishes a very steamy, best-selling autobiography called Ecstasy and Me. But then she sued the publisher for what she saw as errors and distortions perpetrated by the ghostwriter. Well, don't use a ghostwriter, Hetty. Then she got busted twice for shoplifting, once in 66 and once in 91. Wow, 25 years later, still stealing? Is that 31 years later? I'm bad with years. Either way, yeah, 31 years. Didn't result in a conviction, but kind of sad. Kind of went on a rider-ish of her. I don't know what prompted that, but she's shoplifting. She needed food. I'm sure she only stole food. Not like Winona, who stole outfits and cut tags. She had a, Winona had a brilliant system. She told me her system one time. She would cut the tags off, and sometimes she'd rip the price tag just a little bit and then put it on a different piece of clothing and 
put the price tag back, like just pulling the, the little uh, material back on the price tag, and it, it can almost match. And she said, if you talk to the cash register person and were very complimentary toward them or remarked about their necklace or their watch, they wouldn't realize what they were doing, and they'd ring up a $695 sweater as $74. That was Winona's <laughs> method, but she got caught. It's a good system, though. It's a very I did that system in Bayshore at the at the uh, the Bayshore Mall, South Shore Mall, back in the eighties. I had the same system. Oh yeah, I would buy clothes when I worked at Macy's at the Roosevelt Field Macy's, which was a very fancy town, beautiful clothes, the kind of clothes that would never show up in Bayshore. So I'd buy at Roosevelt Field, take them back to Bayshore Macy's, and return them, and then go back on the rack. But I could watch the rafts because I worked there and I'd hide the clothes. And then in a couple of weeks, when the clothes got marked down to like 20 bucks instead of 95, I'd buy them. Yeah, we all got systems. All got systems. But look, the other side of the coin, Hedy Lamar was married six times. She adopted a son named James in 39. That was during his second marriage to Jean Markey. Then she had two biological kids, Denise and Anthony, with a third husband, the actor John Loder, who also adopted James. And then in 53, she completed the naturalization process and became a U.S. citizen. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But then in her later years, she lived a very reclusive life in a community just north of Orlando, Florida. Ooh, how boring. Town called Castleberry. And that's where she died in January of 2000 at the age of 85. 85 in Castleberry, just north of Orlando, is like spring chicken age. Did you ever go to a town outside of Orlando? <laughs> Everybody in their 70s and 80s is working at fast food joints, so nothing is fast. It's all slow food. Or you'll go to a supermarket to get liquor and go, I'm going to bring this liquor back to the hotel. We can make some drinks and go to the beach or make some drinks and go see Disney World. You get to the supermarket and the checkout girl is 74 and the guy bagging is 81. And you go, okay, I'm glad they got work, but this is going to be 25 minutes. I'm missing pool time. So in 2017, a director named Alexand Alexandra Dean wanted to shine a light on Hedy Lamar and actually talk about the fact that this Hollywood starlet became an unlikely inventor, and the documentary was called Bombshell. The Hedy Lamar story. I hope you've seen it. It's really fun. 
because along with delving into our pioneering technolo technological work, um, this documentary also explores other things in which Hedy Lamarr proved to be capable of, and she showed herself to be much more than a beautiful face. And she also, you can't, you know, you can't go through Hollywood without this. She also was doing this with a crippling drug addiction. Of course she was. Amazingly, one of the drugs she was hooked on was meth. I didn't even know that was around back then, but apparently Hetty did, and she had a crippling addiction to it for a while. But so many of these stories about the bold and beautiful, they always end badly. We've heard this many times before. But just do yourself a favor. Go look at images of how gorgeous Hetty Lamar was when they're that beautiful. It's hard to hear any bad news about them. But Hetty had plenty of trouble to be amazed at. The first time audiences saw her, she was running naked through a field. The second time they saw her, she was in the throes of a very animated, loud orgasm. The next time she appeared on screen was five years later. She had a new name, spoke a new language, and had a new image. But the effect was just the same. Because just the sight of her was enough to stop Hollywood and stop audiences across America in their tracks. And that was way before its time, a movie like that, to have a woman kind of have an orgasm on screen. It was decades too early, but there it is. And by the way, I watched the movie Don't Worry Darling last night. Oh, my God. Can I tell you? Just for a minute here. We talked about this damn film for weeks. You know, Olivia Wilde, the director, left Jason Sudeikis to be with her co-star Harry Styles, and they're still together, and Harry Styles apparently was banging Florence Pugh, his on-screen wife in this movie, and then Olivia Wilde made a play, and he dropped Pugh for Olivia. I never would have done that. And then, of course, there was the story that Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine's lap at the film festival in Venice. So much drama. You heard me talk a blue streak about this movie. Jesus Christ, the film is about Florence Pugh losing her mind. No spoiler here. She's the star of the film. Harry Styles shows flashes that he is in a weak spot in casting him in a movie. Olivia Wilde was good, too, even though she's smoking in almost every scene. I can't stand her face when she smokes. She looks ugly. But without the cigarette in her mouth, she has an old Hollywood kind of glamorous look about her. But let me tell you, I never thought Florence Pugh was a cutie until I saw this film. I was up getting some food in the kitchen at Rosalie's, and she's down in this little room beneath the kitchen, a little cozy living room, and she's watching something on screen. And it's a big orgasm scene where this woman is on a table climaxing with a guy's face between her legs. It looked to me like it was um, a Sex in the City episode, I, you know, with Kim Cattrall enjoying herself. I didn't know. And I, as I go downstairs, I go, what is this, Sex in the City? She goes, no, it's that movie, Darling, Worry About Me, Darling. I said, wait, don't worry, Darling? What is this on? Oh, it's on demand. I said, you paid for it? No, it's free. I said, how could this movie be free? How, how are they making money? This movie's not, it's, it's free. It's on demand right now. 
And I watched it. And Florence Pugh is a, she loves sex in this movie. And Harry Styles is more than happy to oblige. But that scene where his face is buried in between her thighs, let me tell you something. After watching this movie and seeing these two make out, because Florence Pugh always wanted it in this movie, it's easy to see that these two took their relationship as co-stars into the real world. Absolutely. The way they're kissing, the way they're breathing into each other's mouths, the way their tongues tongues dart in each other's mouth. Yeah, okay, something's there. And then old Olivia Wilde swoops in and takes him away. That's why Florence Pugh was a an angry person during you know it was a we talked about this movie incessantly. But I'll tell you what, Florence Pugh, a cutie pie. And I can see men wanting her. You know? But even, and look, Harry Styles looks good too. Okay? I didn't love the movie. I love the era, 1950s Palm Springs. But if you can tell me what happens at the end, you're going to win big prizes. Anyhow, back to Hetty. Naturally, it was hard to distance herself from her past as the ecstasy girl. The star of that so-called art film that scandalized all of Europe and also got denounced by the Pope. That's the kind of chick we're talking about. We're talking early Madonna here. And when one exhibitor tried to import it to the States, it was declared dangerously indecent and it was banned. The real scandal wasn't the nudity, but the pleasure. You know, a young girl leaves her husband, runs naked, finds a new hot guy. And there's this really intense orgasm for everybody to see, kind of like Florence Pugh. Who knew what young women the world over would do with this kind of knowledge? It made men scared. And with the help of her new studio, Hetty was able to denounce her part in ecstasy, but the stigma of that, you know, that desirable, hot-to-trot female would stay with her. By the way, remember the phrase, hot-to-trot? <laughs> Was that just a New York thing? Hey, what do you think of Sue Nisen? I heard she's hot to trot. That's the way guys talk. I don't know. Was that a thing in your school, a girl being hot to trot? Another phrase I want to ask you about. When you asked a guy if he was having sex with a girl, did you use the phrase, did you put the wood to her? Did you use the phrase, did you pork her yet? I mean, it's so gross. Like, would a man actually say, I can't wait to pork you? Would you, how turned off would you be if a guy said, I've been dying to put the wood to you and pork you? It's so gross. But when I was a kid, well, 14, and I had my steady girlfriend, Debbie Prisco, you know, I got her the ankle bracelet, the whole thing, cologne. I mean, we were, we were good to go. We were going steady, goddammit. And we had sex. I was 14. She was 13. And my buddy Marv, who I loved to death, who was just adamant about finding out if if I had sex with Debbie, how far did it go, where are you at? Every morning in, I think, science class in eighth grade, I'd walk in and he'd go, did you put the wood to her? Did you put the wood to her? Did you, did you, did you, did you, did you, did you park her? Did you park her? Constantly. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to say the more gross things that he and other friends said, but it was all about I want to smell her. Did you touch her? It was just gross. Guys are gross. And I'll tell you a story that, I, you know, I've said this once or twice, but I'll tell you again. I was so sick and tired of hearing him and other guys ask, other guys who were never going to get a girlfriend for the next five years. 
begging me to tell them how far I went with Debbie. They all wanted to know, excuse my French girls, back then it was all about, did you finger her? I know it's gross. I'm sorry to say it. It's, it's terrible. But that, that was a thing. If you couldn't have sex, did you at least do that? You know. And they kept asking me. So one morning before I went to class, I went in the bathroom. I took my middle finger and I wiped it up the crack of my ass. And when I went to class, they all asked me, did you finger her? Did you do this? I put my finger out and I let them smell it. They were smelling my asshole, but they all went, oh my God, that smells amazing. <laughs> Little tricks of the trade. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I bet six of you have left the show permanently for now, but that's what you get sometimes in this show. You get the real, the real dirt. Anyway, across Henry Lamar's Hollywood career, she would be cast as, you know, a high-class whore, one after the other, women whose beauty and sexuality made them natural victims of the world around them. We have those parts now in Hollywood. Now, look, she wasn't a great actress. Like a lot of women, her greatest asset was her glamour, her, her, her big pooling eyes, her mouth. Looked like somebody said a poppy and heavy bloom. Christ, I want what he's having. But she might have been a genius or at least very, very savvy as a businesswoman and kind of a closet nerd responsible for cellular technology as we know it today. But let me just say that again. Hedy Lamar, arguably the most glamorous star of the pre-war period also helped invent your cell phone and Wi-Fi connection and Bluetooth. Thank her whenever your phone connects to Wi-Fi. The contradiction between her, the sex object, and Hedy Lamar, the lady inventor, was very difficult for the press to kind of figure out. But it wasn't until after she died, and there were decades of missteps and humiliations of all sorts of forms and gravity in the gossip pages, but then her image began to shift from a scandalous woman, a washed-up star, and she got celebrated as a kind of scientist. Pretty cool. And today she's held up as sort of a feminist icon. And her image is employed as a means to encourage young girls to go into science and all manner of awards and celebrations and symposia held in her name. But it's hard when a woman is gorgeous and sexy to be taken seriously as a brain. It's a brainiac. But the irreconcilability of sex and brains in one body and her reliance on her looks and what those looks did to men around her kind of led to a very unhappy, kind of a cloistered life. So today, nowadays, you think, and it's kind of clear that she was a very complicated and, 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 and well, awesome woman for many decades. But she really was just also a broken, bitter woman, uh, you know, didn't really do well within the star system. And, um, you know, the movies tried to make her a certain way, and that's not the way she wanted to be. And like so many female stars, the story of her resistance to that notion was the story of her decline. But that's Hollywood, man. We talk about it all the time. They don't want to make things too difficult on the brain. Sexy means sexy. They don't have time to see where else you fit. Okay? 
I got movies to make. I got scripts to read. Just be the person we need you to be. But before Hollywood, she led a very sensational life. You know, enough to merit its own movie. This is the kind of chick who, you know, fled like a Game of Thrones castle kind of shit. She was the only child of a well-to-do Jewish Viennese parents. Her father was a very respected businessman. And Hetty, when she was a kid, had private tutors. She went to school in Switzerland. And then she had this debut into society. So she was very, like, you know, well-heeled. But even as a young kid, very beautiful, pitch black hair, porcelain white skin, gray-green eyes. Her mother called her Snow White. When I look at her now, I think she's black Irish. To me, it's black hair and blue eyes, but apparently it's not, because I only see her in black and white. But she was a stubborn kid. She said she used to run her head against stone walls, right through stone walls, and get hurt. But it was good for me, because I learned it's better to get such bumps young. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know what to make of that. I guess she knew she was known for her beauty and she wanted to put some lumps on that to see if she was still wanted, maybe. I don't know. But the bumps didn't stop. Before her debut, her father got sick, and when he died, he left the family in a big financial crisis. Not much of their fortune remained. Hetty reinvested some money in stocks, but everything went to shit. But she wasn't too proud to go to work as a secretary. And then she worked as a script girl for an Austrian studio. You see, this is sexy to me. A girl who says, I don't give a fuck what I, what I grew up with. I've got to make money. That's sexy. And it was at that studio, sitting around, reading scripts, being beautiful, that she caught the eye of the Czech filmmaker Gustav Machadi, who was putting together this great experimental masterpiece and he arranged for her to appear in a bunch of bit parts in order to gain a bit of experience in front of the camera before casting her in the movie Ecstasy. And the plot of that movie, very straightforward. Beautiful but poor girl marries an ugly guy but a rich husband. Welcome to Beverly Hills. But the husband also happens to be impotent, and the girl escapes to her father's home where she runs naked through a field and skinny dips, bumping into a hot young engineer who can give her what her husband can't, namely hot, hot dick. That's the movie. And it was a long-ass time ago, guys. And the things in this movie that substitute for sex, you know, the dropping of pearls, the fluttering of fingers. You know, you, you get to understand what that man is doing to her. I mean, this was the real deal. This was the Pam and Tommy Lee sex tape of its day, sort of. But you can imagine the scandal, even for a European art film. Here's this desiring woman. And this woman is getting off and reveling in the sex. And she's doing this while she's cheating on her husband. Excuse me, what year is this? Which is why when censors took a look at the film, the first thing they demanded was some sort of, we got to insert something here, some sort of a, an insertion of a marriage before ecstasy took place. But no, no. And if you see the version I saw, it's kind of embarrassing. I mean, she's clearly getting her clock wrong. But in America, they run this voiceover over the scene where it's like, you know, I'm so happy we're married. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. No, that, that's not what's being said. 
It's a bunch of moans and groans because the sex is that good. But she became a sensation. And later it would turn out that she had no idea that the film would turn out as naughty as it did. But she also had no compunction about parlaying her newfound notoriety into new gigs. And then she appeared in something else called The Weaker Sex, a play by Max Reinhardt. She toured Europe to that, to, 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 to a lot of great uh, reviews. But she was always known as the ecstasy girl. She couldn't escape that. And it, came, it got to a point when Fritz Mandel saw her on screen. He was in his early 30s. He was one of the top four armed uh, munitions dealers in all of Europe. And once he saw Hedy Lamar, he had to have her. He went to the opening night of The Weaker Sex, asked a mutual friend for an introduction, and then negotiated, basically, to marry her. And according to Hetty's account of this marriage, Mandel treated, like, treated her like any of his other fine, expensive possessions. He would hold court in Vienna. He'd host these lavish parties that included a who's who of the European society. All he asked of Hetty Lamar... Do me a favor, look pretty, wear your fucking jewels, don't talk too much, like, don't talk at all. She said, he always treated me like a doll. I had to spend all my time giving and going to parties, wearing smart clothes, taking pleasure trips to Switzerland, North Africa, the Riviera. Might sound like a good deal for a lot of chicks, but imagine the presence of all the fascist leaders of Europe at your dinner table. Imagine you're eating next to Putin. And, uh... Xi Jinping, whatever the fuck his name is, and the other rocket man. Imagine that. That might spoil dinner a little bit. Mussolini one night, Hitler the next. I mean, that's a tough way to come up. So she wanted out. And uh, he was so jealous that he bought and destroyed every print of ecstasy he could find. He searched as far as New Zealand and Japan for any evidence of his wife's orgasming body. But the prints kept popping up because the savvy studio kept making them. They knew that Mandel would pay, so they forced him to cut a deal. He put down a huge sum of money for the original print, and the studio promised to never produce another copy. Is that not Hollywood for you? Oh, your husband doesn't like the fact that you're coming on screen? Well, we're going to keep producing this movie, and we'll tell him he can buy it. Right, guys? Come on, think about it. How, how, it's just, you know, it's just the way it was. But this was a woman who was so beautiful and so renowned and was kind of typecast as this beautiful gift to man, you know? And, and, and she made women exciting to themselves again. And, you know, a lot of women back then were wearing man-tailored suits, you know? It just wasn't the same when Hedy Lamar showed up. And I'll tell you what really got me the most. Not only did she have flings with Charlie Chaplin and Burgess Meredith, of all people. Come on, Rocky, you gotta... Come on, Ruck. You're gonna go out there and you're gonna die, Rocky. So she's banging Meredith and Chaplin. And she also got in real good with... Howard Hughes, who was banging everybody around this time. No one could escape Howard Hughes. And in between them having sex, Hedy Lamar was smart enough to design a new wing style for his airplane based on her study of birds. 
get this. In between orgasms, she's reading a book on birds. She had a complete inventing table installed in her home with a smaller version gifted to her by Howard Hughes because he was fixated on building the fastest planes in the world in order to sell them to the U.S. Air Force. So Hetty is reading this book on birds, a book on fish, and she sketched the fastest creature of each and combined them. And she showed the results to Howard Hughes, who said to her, you're a goddamn genius. And then he went and designed the wings of his airplanes based on her drawings. That's the kind of woman we're talking about. Tell me who. Who fits that mold in Hollywood today? Who? Kim Kardashian? I don't think so. I say we go with nobody. That's who. I'm AJ Benzer. That was your, that was your, not daily unfiltered, that's on another thing. You gotta go to patreon.com slash fame is a bitch for that stuff. But this was your podcast for Freaky Friday, November 11th, 2022. Now listen, you have a good weekend, but by all means, go to patreon.com slash politics is a bitch because I've got some great stuff to say about the midterms and beyond. And do the same thing, patreon.com slash fame is a bitch for God's sake. Stop with Starbucks for a month. You'll be fine. Oh, stop it for a week. You got money. Come on, let's do this. Let's get the let's get the army bigger. I I, I can't stand this lackadaisical bullshit. Patreon.com slash fame is a bitch. You'll get all the things you want to hear. 20 shows a month. It, 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 no, look, nobody does what I do. Old Hollywood, new Hollywood, aggravations, personal stories, exclusive. No, no one does what I do. So join the army. Talk to you Monday. Thank you for listening. Fame is a Bitch is an AJ Benza Drop Biscuit Studios production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of AJ Benza. Executive producer, Mike Agavino. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.